we got a little setup to do here. Y'all just bear with us for a minute. It's harder than it looks if you're trying to do it. That's fine. It's good. It's good. Yeah. yeah. She said it's no time for OCD. So <laughs> she's probably right. So we, uh, this illustration just required a little bit more setup, and I'm going to try to walk very softly on the stage so that it doesn't come over or fall over until it's time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we're talking about obedience today, as you probably can guess from the signs on the front there, and all that will make sense. Um, you know, we look at the end of cha- or the first part of chapter four in James, which is where we were last week, and we're going to be in the last part of chapter four today. You know, it's interesting. James begins in chapter four talking about war with God, and he ends chapter four talking about the will of God. And when you think about it. Um, At first glance, maybe that kind of seems to not fit together, but when you really think about it, it does. Because if I am not surrendered to God, if I am not obedient to God, then I'm not going to be a peacemaker, I'm going to be a troublemaker. Um, I'm going to be at war with God, and that results at being in being at war with others. So it's all about surrender. It's all about obedience. And when I'm following God's plan for my life, then that's going to spill over into my interaction with others and my relationship with others. This series that we're in, we've got today and two more weeks after this. Uh, Caleb will be finishing it up for us. Brother Caleb, our student pastor, will be finishing it up for us on the 12th. Um, And so just a few more weeks. It's been a long journey. But this series, we've talked about the importance of faith in action, what that looks like in daily life. And the, the theme of our series is, the title of our series is Taking It to the Streets, The Gospel with Shoes on Faith in Action. The theme or the basis for our series is that faith that's real works practically in a person's life. Real faith is faith that works. Works don't save us, but works show that we have been saved. And James really emphasizes the importance of living out our faith on a daily basis. You know, the fact that God would have a plan for our lives really makes sense, right? I mean, it makes perfect sense that the creator of the universe who designed everything that we see intricately, uh, obviously with great forethought, with great planning, it makes sense that he would not create human beings without having a plan for each human being, right? God has a plan for your life. You may, that may be the first time you've heard that this morning. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. And he doesn't want it to be some mystery that you never figure out. He wants you to know the plan that he has for you. Now, there are things you have to do in order to discover that plan. And that's Part of that is what we're going to talk about this morning. Ways, actions that we can take to put ourselves in a position to know God's plan and then live out God's plan, to experience God's plan in our lives. We're going to be in in James chapter 4. And in just a few moments, Megan is going to come up and quote that for us. Megan, you can kind of work your way up here, uh, if you don't mind. In Psalm 33, 11, we learn that the counsel of the Lord stands forever, and the plans of his heart are from generation to generation. The plans of God come from his heart. He wants you to know his plan. 
And James gives us some instructions, really some lessons to learn from how not to do it, but also within that some actions to take. So Megan's going to share with us, if I can get this to work, she's going to share with us, quote for us, verses 13 through 17 of chapter 4. So I memorized this using music and interpretive dance. So Nathan, can you hit the music? Go for it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, uh, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Mayor Graham, everybody. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just working you hard today, aren't I? I'll tell you. So God's plan comes from God's heart. It is truly what's best for us. And so we should desire to know and do the will of God. What are some actions that we can take to experience God's will from our lives, drawn from these verses, from this text? Well, the first is this. We need to make the most of each day that we have. Lesson number one, make the most of each day that you have. James shows us in verses 13 and 14, the first two verses of this passage, why it is so foolish to ignore God's will. You know, one reason is the fact that life is complex, right? I mean, you think about it. Think about everything that's involved in your daily life, in my daily life. Think about all the decisions you make in a day's time. How many of those decisions, some of them are small, certainly, but some of them, many of them, determine the course of your life, determine the course of your day at least. Millions of decisions that we make each and every day. All of us make crucial decisions each and every day. So what are we going to do with those decisions? I'll be the first to admit I'm not smart enough to be able to make all those decisions on my own. As a man, as a husband, as a father, the spiritual leader of my home, I don't have enough wisdom on my own to make all of the decisions that I have to make as a pastor, to make all the decisions that I have to make to lead and to live. So what do we do? How do we make those decisions? Well, the good news is, I guess bad news, good news, okay? Life is a mystery to us. None of us know the future. Good news, it's not to God. He knows the future. He holds the future. So we can place our lives in his hands. So when you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior and are determined to do his will, then life starts to make sense. Not that everything will be easy, not that you'll never have problems or trials or difficulties, but life begins to make sense the moment you accept Christ as Savior because you begin the process of understanding that he has a plan for your life. And that each day as you make decisions, you don't have to make those decisions on your own. If you walk in fellowship with Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you, lives within me. And if we are in tune to the Holy Spirit, he will guide us. That still small voice 
will speak to us as we go throughout our day. And if we surrender to him, he will lead God and direct us in how to make the decisions that we make. But life takes on a whole new meaning. Life is no longer a mystery. You can know God's will. You can know his purpose for your life. But we have to act on his purpose. We have to obey it in order to experience it, which we will talk about further in just a few minutes. You've heard the phrase, I'm sure, why do today into, uh, Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? You all heard that. Probably said that. Probably done that, right? I've done that. It's called procrastination. So why do today what you can put off until tomorrow? Well, the reason is you may miss out on the blessing God has for you today if you put it off till tomorrow. He's got a plan today. And he wants you to experience him today. The businessmen, James is writing to businessmen here who are making all these plans, right? And, and, and these businessmen that he's writing to were making plans for a whole year, but they couldn't, they didn't have enough wisdom for the day. One day. They couldn't see ahead into one day. They're trying to plan far off, but they're not, their priorities are out of whack for the day. They were confident. Verse 13, tomorrow we will travel to such and such a city. We will spend a whole year there. We will do business and make a profit. This this picture that James is painting would have been familiar to first century believers. Uh, This was a period that was marked with great commercial activity, especially in the Hellenistic cities of Palestine. Jews were very much involved in that. And that's who James is writing to. And so they would have been familiar with all of the commercial activity going on. Not too different from our day, right? Uh, all, all, of the, all of the commercial success, all of the commercial opportunities. And these were businessmen who were obviously wealthy. They were obviously doing well. And so they're making plans for the future. And, and we need to, to be very clear here, okay? This isn't like a sweeping rebuke of anybody who would would desire to make a profit, okay? James isn't saying it's a sin to make a profit in your business. He's not saying it's a sin to be wealthy. He's not even saying it's a sin to make plans for the future. There's nothing wrong with taking out a life insurance policy or having a retirement plan. And if you're like me, you're watching your retirement very closely these days because of the economy. But that's a different sermon for a different day, I guess. Um, but it's, there's nothing wrong with those things. Making plans for the future, having a will, doing all, that's okay. But what James is emphasizing here, what he's saying here, he's speaking to the condition of their hearts, their commitment to the Lord. And the type of planning for the future that these guys are doing is stemming from human arrogance and, the, and the, the thought that they know the future better than God does, okay? It's, it's a matter of the heart. It's not that they are seeking God's will as they plan for the future. We have a vision in this church. We feel like we know where God is leading us because he has shown us direction, okay? We've submitted to the Lord. He gives us direction, and we're pursuing that. That's, that's what we should do. But when I make plans for the future based solely on what I think should happen without any submission without any direction from God, then that is, in fact, a sin. And that's what's happening here. Look at verse 14. The truth is we have no promise of today, and we need to understand that we live by faith every day. 14, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring, what your life will be, for you are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So when we put things off till tomorrow, 
when we procrastinate, we're losing the opportunity of today to serve God today. Life is, is uncertain to us. It is not uncertain to God. And the only way we can be confident of tomorrow is if we are in his will because in that, when we are living in the will of God, making the most of today, seeking his will for today and tomorrow, when we are in the will of God, we have confidence that we know he is leading us moment by moment, day by day, week by week, month by month, and year by year if God gives us that length of time. You know, life seems so long to us, right? We measure it by years, birthdays, year by year. But God tells us, and we, we number our lives by years, right? Birthdays every year. But God tells us to number our days. He tells us to make the most of each day that we have and to not, not take for granted the days that we have. We live one day at a time, and the reality is, I know some of you are farther along than I am, but yeah, I'm, get, I'm getting older. The reality is those, those hours, those days, those years go by quicker the older you get, right? It was just yesterday. We had, the girls had a ballet recital last night, and it was just yesterday that Gracie was in a little tutu with a little pot belly and little bitty ballet shoes. And suddenly yesterday there's this beautiful young lady dancing on stage. Seems like yesterday Annie was teeny tiny in her little tutu dancing around. Yesterday there's this beautiful young lady dancing on stage and I'm going, where did, it, where did the time go? It goes by fast. Life goes by quick. And if we don't number our days, we're going to miss opportunities to serve the Lord and enjoy the blessings that he gives us. And, and we, we can't afford that, that phrase, spend your lives. We can't afford to just spend our lives on whatever. Life is too short, and we don't want to waste our lives. So we need to invest our lives in something important and something eternal. And the only way we can do that is to pursue God's plan. And to pursue God's plan, we need, to, we need wisdom to do that, right? We need wisdom to understand God's plan. And, and Job 28, 23 tells us, it's not in your notes or on the screen, it tells us, but God understands the way to wisdom. We need wisdom. Wisdom, as we've defined it, is the knowledge to know God's will and to, uh, and to know God's word and then to apply it to our lives. So I've got an illustration. To, it's not that one yet, but uh, I'll make you wait on that one. But um, I, I, to help us hopefully understand, but I need a volunteer. Does anybody want to volunteer? I mean, I'm always dragging my kids up here. Does anybody want to volunteer? It's not, I'm not going to embarrass you. It's not that hard. All right. Let's see. Who, I can't see who that is way back there. Come on up. Amanda, come on, Amanda. The lights were in my eyes, Amanda. I apologize. All right, Amanda, it's going to be very easy, okay? All right. You come up here and stand. Here, let's go. Just stand right there, okay? And hold this. Don't shine it in anybody's eyes, okay? Just, it's, it's a very powerful spotlight, so just hang tight for me for just a minute, okay? Now, God's Word is described as a light, right? Light is used throughout Scripture for several different things, but one of the, the ways it's used is to describe the Word of God because the Word of God illuminates for us the truth of God, the revelation of God, who God is. And what we find within 
the Word of God is instructions for life, right? And within God's Word are treasures, the mystery of who He is, His will for our lives. As we, when we come to know Christ, He shows us those things. And the light of God's Word, the Holy Spirit, teaches us and shows us the path that we are going to take. Now, on this, I drew a treasure map. Can you see it? No? Can't see it, right? But there's a treasure map on this. I promise there is. And that's the way God's word is when we're lost. There's a treasure map in here, okay? And I don't mean to, you know, demean, but there are treasures in here. There is the the knowledge of God and his will for our lives. And we need that wisdom that shows us how to live and, and, and how to follow his plan. But we can't see that unless Jesus Christ illuminates it for us, unless he shows us. And so what you're going to find is when the light of Christ the light of his word shines, we will see the treasures that he has for us. You can just go, say back, it's okay. You're going to shine on the paper. All right, go ahead. Hold the trigger. You see it? You see X marks the spot? Now this pretty simple treasure map, but it illustrates what I'm talking about. Can y'all see it over here? Everybody see it? Yeah. Say with me, Amanda, come on. All right, you're doing good. Everybody see it? It's... God's word is filled with treasures. And if we will seek him, if we will follow him, he will shine his light through our lives, through his word, and then we will have the wisdom to know and follow him. Sorry, Steve. It's right in your eyes. All right, go ahead. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you very much. I'll give Amanda a hand. We need wisdom to know God's will, but we've got to be willing to pursue God's will each day, which is the second action that we need to take in response to what James teaches us in verses 13 through 18, particularly verse 15. If the Lord wills, James said, that's, you know, it isn't just a casual statement. Shouldn't be. It should be the constant attitude of our hearts. If God wills this, I'll do it. If he doesn't, I won't. If he wills, I'll live another day. And if I live another day, I'm going to make the most of that day. It should be a constant attitude of our, attitude of our hearts, and the desire of our hearts should be, be to pursue God's will and to spend time in his word every day. Jesus said this in John 4, 34, My food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That was Jesus' desire. That should be our desire each and every day. You know, Paul talked a lot about the will of God when he shared plans with people, with his friends, for you know, a lot of people look at the will of God as a hindrance. I can't do what I want to do. i got to do what he wants to do, and that's a hindrance. But when Paul talked about the will of God, he didn't talk about it as if it were chains that shackled him. He talked about it, talked about it as if it were freedom, because it is. It's freedom to be what God intended for you to be. It's freedom to live the life that he wants you to live, to fulfill the purpose that he has for you, which is far greater than anything that I could ever come up with or anything you could ever come up with. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a hard part, certainly, but God's will is what's best because he created you and he knows what's best for you. And he has a plan and a purpose for you. Everything, it should stand to reason that God has a plan and that we, should, we would do well to follow that plan. You think everything in the universe has laws that you go by, right? I mean, you just take, you know, flight, for example. If the engineer that builds the plane follows the laws of flight in order to fly, what it takes to fly, if the pilot follows those laws as he flies, everything's going to be good, right? If everything works properly, it's going to be fine. 
But if either one of them decides to go their own way and ignore the laws of flight, what it takes to fly, then there's going to be sorrow. There's going to be pain. There's going to be misery. Same's true in life. If we try to go our own way and ignore God's laws, his plan, his purpose for our lives, then there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be misery. But if we will submit to God's plan and his purpose, then there's still going to be difficulties, but your life is going to be filled with joy and meaning and purpose and satisfaction. Joy is not dependent upon pleasantness or happiness. Fulfillment is not dependent upon a, a, a life that's all fluffy and nice and comfortable. It's, it is dependent upon the presence of God in your life and your pursuit and fulfillment of the plan that he has for you. For, for me, and that's individual for both of us, God's will for our lives is, is what's best. And when we grasp that, we have taken a huge step and experiencing the joy of knowing and following Christ. You know, there are things that are true for all Christians, right? There are laws, there are general laws, there are general rules, but there is a specific plan that he has for you that's different from mine, and there's a specific plan that he has for me that's different from yours. He created each of us unique. Hear that this morning, okay? Maybe you're here today and you're struggling with who you are, you're struggling with your place in this world. Michael W. Smith, old school. Maybe you're struggling with your identity. Maybe you're struggling with um, self-esteem. God created you unique. He wanted you. And you are different than anybody else in the world, and that's a good thing. God is creatively diverse. And he has a plan. He loves you so much that he gave his son. I have two sons, two daughters. I wouldn't give any of them for anybody. And God gave his one and only son to die on the cross for you. So that you could be free from sin and experience the plan that he has for you. Yeah, there's a plan for the church as a whole, but there's a plan for you that's different than my plan that he has for me. And I'm experiencing the plan he has for me, and it is wonderful and challenging and exciting and painful at times, but, but full of joy and full of satisfaction, and you can experience that too. God has a plan, but you have to pursue it. He won't force it on you. It is a unique relationship. Warren Wiersbe said this. He said, the will of God is a living relationship between God and the believer. Our relationship to God should grow each day. And here's what that looks like. As we grow in our relationship to God, we grow in understanding his will. First, we should know his will. Uh, Acts twenty two fourteen says that the God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth. So we've determined in our hearts first that we're going to obey, which we're going to talk about obedience in a minute. We've determined in our hearts we're going to obey. Once we've determined in our hearts that we're going to obey, we begin to pursue his will. He reveals his will will to us, and if we are ready to obey, that's when he is going to reveal. If you don't know God's will for your life, it may be that it's not the right time, okay? That happens. He may be causing you to wait. Siri's trying to preach too. but, But it may also be... Because God sees your heart and he knows you're not willing to obey yet. You're not really pursuing him. Because here's what happens. If we're willing to obey, God is willing to reveal. 
But he knows our hearts. He knows that we are willing or not willing to obey. But we can't stop with just knowing some of God's will. Okay? There are going to be times where you don't know every part of God's will. But our desire should be to know all of God's will. God wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and all spiritual understanding, Colossians 1.9 tells us. God has a plan for each detail of your life. I think that's something we miss. We think in big terms, and certainly God is big and he has a grand plan, but God wants to be involved in each and every detail of your life, which is a mystery to me why the God of the universe would want to be involved in every detail of my life, but he does, and he deserves to be. And so that should change how I pursue his will. Am I pursuing it with everything that I have, and do I want to know all of it, or do I want to just pick and choose the parts that are convenient for me? We should pursue, we should know his will, all of it, have a desire to. And then he wants us to understand his will. Ephesians 5, 17, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And this is the difference between knowing the what of something and knowing the why of something. And hang with me, okay? Because John 15, 15 says, I do not call you servants, Jesus said. I do not call you servants anymore because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I've called you friends because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. Now, we have the privilege of knowing what God is doing and why he's doing it. Now, there are certainly times in life when circumstances happen and we don't have the answers to why those things happen, okay? I've been a pastor for almost 20 years, and I still find myself trying to explain away or with the desire I've learned not to act on this, but to try to explain why things happen or to give an answer that will make people feel better when they experience tragedy. And sometimes there's just not an answer. You just love on them and pray for them and be there for them. There are not answers in this life sometimes. So when we look at this, we need to understand two things, I believe. God does want you to know why he's doing what he's doing. And he gives us the privilege of giving us that knowledge of understanding Not only what to do, but why he's fulfilling the mission, accomplishing what he's accomplishing in my life. There are those things in this life that we won't know, and we have to live by faith. But one day we'll know even the answers to those things too. We'll have full knowledge when we stand in his presence. may not be till that day, but we will know. So God gives us the privilege. Think about this, the privilege of knowing his mind. At least some of it, we can't comprehend all of it. But we can understand him and what he's doing. And then we prove his will. We should prove God's will. In the CSB it says, Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is good, what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The NASB says it this way. It says, be transformed so that you may prove the will of God. Both of those go together. Here's how you prove that God's will is truly perfect, good, perfect, and pleasing. You discern it, fully discern it. You do those things by experiencing God's will. The only way to prove that God's will is what he says it is, that it is good, it is perfect, it is right for you, is to experience it each moment, each day as you live it out each day. 
And as you experience the will of God, all of the ups and downs, all the challenges, those things that he calls you to do that you can't do on your own, and and, and those things that you can only accomplish by his strength, and the joy of being a part of his kingdom work, as you experience all of those things, you come to know that the scripture is true. That his will truly is. Romans 12, 2 is exactly what it says. It is the good, pleasing, and it is perfect for you, and it's perfect for me. We are not perfect, but his plan is perfect, and it is the perfect thing for your life and my life. But the only way to come to know that is by experiencing it, surrendering, pursuing Determining in your heart you're going to obey. When he reveals it to you, he knows you're going to obey or not obey. He reveals his will to you, and you act on it. You are determined to obey it, and then you do, in fact, obey it. And that's our next action, is that we've pursued it, all right? We are ready to obey. We want to know it, and now he's revealed it to us, and so we are going to obey because you won't truly experience it and all of the goodness of it, his will, until you obey. Obedience, and here's, here, here's, here's something I think um, is important, all right? We think of obedience, all right? And, and maybe we think about it, that act of accepting Christ, okay? Or, or I've decided that I'm going to obey God, and then that's it, all right? But obedience is not, a, salvation is one and done, okay? You're saved, once saved, always saved. We believe that. Scripture teaches that. There's a reason we believe that. But obedience is not a one and done thing. Obedience is a daily attitude. Obedience is a daily decision. In fact, obedience is a daily struggle. Let's just be honest, okay? I'm not up here pretending like I've got it all figured out that I never struggle with this, because I do. Because there are times in life when you're facing something that seems crazy. When God's calling you to endure something or to do something that you know you can't do on your own. And it doesn't make sense in human terms. But you have to obey anyway. And it's in those moments, and there are many in life, that if you haven't already determined to obey, it's going to be really hard to obey in that moment. Because there's a decision right there, that moment, that day. God, I'm going to surrender to you today. I'm going to obey you right now. Even if it seems crazy, even if it seems like it's opposite of what should happen, even if I see no way out of this, I'm going to obey you today. Obedience is a daily commitment. Verse 16, they're boasting. You boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. And, and the reason we get to you know, daily obedience here is because it's obvious here that they know the will of God, yet they're not doing it. Okay? James makes that pretty clear. They know God's will, yet they're not doing it. They're choosing to disobey. It is foolish to ignore God's will. It's like driving through an unfamiliar city. I've told you guys before, I have no sense of direction. I've lived here in Madison almost four years now, and I still use my GPS just about everywhere I go. There's a few places I know where to go, but I've just part of it's I'm dependent upon it, but part of it, I have no sense of direction. We lived in New Orleans for a year, and New Orleans, everything's U-turns. There's no left turns. I never knew which direction I was going in. I was lost all the time. Knowing God's will, knowing I'm going to be 
called to fulfill his will and choosing not to obey makes about as much sense as me going to a city I don't know and leaving my GPS at home, leaving my GPS off. I'd be lost in a second. Knowing that I needed that map, knowing that I needed that treasure map to navigate life, and God's giving it to me and taking the map and throwing it in the garbage. That's about what this is. Knowing God's will and refusing to obey it. We've already talked about the dangers of pride. And the, and the one reason, one of the reasons the people here are refusing to do God's will is pride. They think they know better than God. But man's boasting, man's pride really only covers up man's weakness. You know, it's, it's, it's overcompensation for weakness that exists. We don't have the wisdom to see the future. Only God does. We certainly don't have the power to control the future. Only God does. So we need to admit that, to set aside our pride and submit. Another reason people refuse to do God's will is the fact that we tend to act like the will of God is something that we can either accept or reject. When the truth is, when you surrender your life to Christ, you've given up that right. Your life is no longer yours. It's his. Again, James' readers knew the will of God, yet they were rejecting it. Look at verse 17. It is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. The assumption here is that they know. There's debate over whether or not James is talking to Christians or non-Christians here. But I think that verse makes it pretty clear. You can't know the will of God if you're not a believer. And so they know the will of God. They, They know what's right, what's wrong, yet they are choosing not to do it. The reality is that attitude, it's a sin to know the will of God and not do it. That attitude basically is saying, God, I know what you want me to do, but I just don't want to because I think my plan is better than your plan. I think I know better. And listen, and we, you know, we all, when, that, when I say that, it sounds horrible. It is. When I say that, it sounds horrible. But let's be honest. How many times, maybe not out loud, but how many times have we made decisions and, and we really thought that, Right? God, I know what you want me to do, but eh, I think this is going to be a little easier. I know that this is what I should do, but I'm going to choose to do this because this will make me happier in the moment. This will feel better. The path of least resistance, maybe. 2 Peter 2.21 says, For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. If you know... The discipline's going to be greater if you choose not to. In reality, for the believer, the will of God is not an option. It is an obligation. It's a must. We must obey. I can't take it or leave it. If I truly love God, if I truly want to follow Him, if I'm His, I can't take it or leave it. God is the Creator. We are just His creatures. Because of this, we need to obey Him. Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. We are his children. Because of that, we should obey him. But if we treat God's will flippantly, we are maybe not verbally saying this, but we are saying, God, discipline me. Bring it on. Because if we disobey, that's what he's going to do. Because just like we as parents discipline our children when they do things that are wrong, he's going to discipline us. We have to follow his will for our lives. It's possible for Christians to deliberately disobey God. We can, certainly, but there's discipline. There's danger in doing that. We'll be disciplined if we do this. Hebrews 12, 5 through 11 tells us that. In fact, discipline is one of the evidences that you're saved. (laughs) 
Because God disciplines his children. And if you're a child of his and you experience discipline, then you know you're saved. But you also know you've disobeyed God. So there's that. But there's also the danger of losing heavenly rewards. And this is one of the mysteries that I can't wait to find out what it is. We've got some clues. We don't know exactly what it is. We know that there are rewards for the faithful in heaven. Heaven's going to be heaven for everybody. But some are going to receive rewards that others don't. And I don't know exactly what that is, but I can't wait to find out. And I sure want me some of those. Don't you? Because they sound great. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27 says, Don't you know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do not receive a perishable crown, but we have an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like I'm beating the air. My punches are connecting, he's saying, Paul, because he knows God's will, he's pursuing God's will, and he's accomplishing God's will. He wants to win. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under the strict control, under strict control, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Now he's talking, he's referring to the Greek races here. And they had to obey the rules in the Greek races, or else they would be qualified, disqualified. And so what Paul's saying here is God's giving you rules. He's giving you a map, he's giving you instructions, he's giving me instructions. I want to follow those, those instructions because I don't want to be disqualified. And the word disqualified there, it doesn't mean lose your salvation, it means lose rewards. He's talking about these heavenly rewards. Paul doesn't want to miss out on them. So so he's saying, I'm going to follow the rules. I'm going to obey what God tells me to do. And I'm going to receive my reward. And at the end of his life, he was able to say that he had run the race. Here he's talking about it. There he's finished it. He's able to say, I've done it and I've done it faithfully. And now I can't wait to see, I'm paraphrasing, I can't wait to see what God has in store for me. I want to be able to say the same thing. Disobeying God's will today may not seem like a serious thing, but it will be serious when the Lord returns and examines our works. You know, Colossians three twenty two through 25, Paul addresses it. He says, slaves, obey your masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing God, completely committed, completely sold out, completely dedicated to obedience and following through. Actually obeying. Whatever you do, do it from the heart. As something done for the Lord, not for people. Because ultimately, he's the only one that we really need to worry about pleasing, right? Knowing that you will receive the reward, the inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done. And there is no favoritism. Our desire should be to pursue God and to obey God and we have to follow through on that. And, and, and I want to finish with this, okay? You've been waiting in anticipation, right? All the buildup. It's really pretty simple. Make sure I got my signs right. I want you to think of these dominoes as decisions. Each and every one of them is a decision. Every day we wake up, and this is, this is obedience right here, okay? You know, this is, this is a life lived faithfully. Here's the key. I'm going to give you the key this morning. Each and every one of these represents a decision that you're going to make. And the truth is, one decision, and you know this, if you live long enough, one decision leads to another decision, which leads to another decision, which leads to another, so on and so forth, right? So if I make the right decision, that's going to lead to another decision, 
going to put me in a position to make another right decision. If I make a wrong decision, then i got to make another decision to deal with the wrong decision that causes me problems, or I make another decision that's wrong, another decision that's wrong. It's progressive, and that is life. So let's say that I'm presented with a decision today, tomorrow, whenever, to obey or not to obey, and I choose to disobey. One decision leads to the next. The next thing you know, I'm living a life of disobedience. I got the signs right, right? Okay, just checking. I'm living a life of disobedience. Let's say, on the other hand, if I make that first decision to obey, the next decision's easier. Same here. First decision to disobey, the next decision becomes easier. But if I make the first, if I'm determined in my heart, I'm going to pursue God. God, I'm going to obey you. I'm presented with the opportunity. And yes, in fact, I do obey. It becomes easier. And the next thing I know, I'm living a life of obedience. And that's where there's fulfillment and joy and satisfaction. God truly does know what's best for you and for me, for this church. We've got to obey. Obedience is a choice, plain and simple. Obedience is a choice that we have to make. It begins with salvation. It begins with accepting that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. There is no eternal life apart from him. The first step of obedience for all of us is to accept that I am a sinner, that I need forgiveness, That Jesus is the only one who can offer me that forgiveness. He paid the price for my sins at Calvary on the cross. He was buried. He was raised from the dead. He's alive today. And he's offering me as a living Savior that forgiveness. If I obey him, agree with him about my sin, and take that step of obedience and, and accept salvation, when he calls me to do that, that's the first step. But then for believers... It's a life every day, a lifestyle each day, every day. I'm pursuing God. I'm obeying God. And yes, you're going to get it wrong sometimes. You're going to experience discipline at times. But you turn from your sin. You turn back to him. And you you allow him to give you the strength not to repeat that. But each day, I'm pursuing God. I'm obeying God. And if I do that, I will get to the end of my life. And oh, I want to say this. I want to be able to say this. I've run the race and I've finished. And I'm ready for the reward that God has for me. Let's pray together. Father, we recognize that pursuing your will is the most important. Pursuing and obeying your will is the most important thing that we can do in our lives on earth. You have a plan. You have a purpose. And it is good. It is perfect for each and every one of us individually and for your church. I just want to pray, first of all, Father, that if there's anybody here today or watching online, whatever the case may be, who has never experienced salvation, and you're calling them right now, Holy Spirit, you're convicting them right now in this moment of their sin and the need to turn to you for salvation. Lord, I pray that this would be the first step of true obedience for them today as they turn to you and accept salvation the salvation, as they cry out to you, the salvation you offer, as they cry out to you and invite you into their lives and experience the forgiveness that you offer. Maybe they need to come during this time of decision and learn more about how to do that. Father, for those of us who follow you, 
I pray that we would determine in our hearts today and each day to obey you, to pursue you, to follow through when you reveal your will to act on it and to continue each day so that we are truly living lives of obedience and experiencing your best, your plan, your purpose, and doing our part to fulfill your purpose for your church, for your kingdom, as you use us to accomplish that purpose. May we seek you, may we follow you in everything that we do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand for our time of commitment?